If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to the Old Testament, Psalm 119. If you were with us last week, we're kicking off a new series in the book of Psalm 119. 176 verses made up of 22 stanzas because there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so if you're just now joining us, I want to encourage you to dive in with us. We're reading this Psalm 119 together. and You can get one of those bookmarks out at the guest services and dive in and start reading, reading with us. Now, I grew up in Arkansas, and I enjoyed two things, riding my bike, and I also enjoyed just exploring the outdoors. And one of my friends, when I lived in Arkansas, he lived in the country. And I know many of you are thinking, well, doesn't everybody in Arkansas live in the country? And that's not true. We have Walmarts there. And so we, but, but my friend Jeremiah, I went to his house, and, and we would often go hiking and, and exploring, even as third and fourth graders. His, his mom and dad were just like, go. We, we don't care. Go. And that's what we did. And, and one time on one of our hikes, we were going through this trail, and we kind of got off course, if you will, to explore. And on the way back to his house, we realized we were covered in seed ticks. Yes, and as soon as we got to his house, his mother made some kind of concoction and put us in the bathtub with that concoction. To this day, have no idea what it was. But something, I hope, that just tried to kill the, those, those ticks that were all on us. But this is what happens when you get off track. Trouble. In Psalm 119, as we read stanza two, the psalmist is going to say, stay on track. And so let's look at Psalm 119 verse 9. And as we did last week, let's also remember verse 18, where the psalmist says, open my eyes that I might behold. Would you say behold? That I might behold wonderful things from your law. So if you hear something that is wonderful to you, then say amen or indeed or praise his name. It's okay. But he says, show me the things that are wonderful from your law. But in Psalm 119 verse 9, it begins with, how can a young man keep his way pure. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all of my heart, I've sought you, Lord. Do not let me wander from your commandments. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I have told of all the ordinances. I've told of all the ordinances that are from your mouth. I have rejoiced in, in the ways of your testimonies as much more than all the riches. I, I, will, I will meditate. I will meditate on your precepts and regard all of your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. There's one thing that's very interesting about this stanza compared to the other stanzas. And I hope you see it into verse nine. And that's this stanza begins with a question. It begins with a question. How can a young man, so maybe the psalmist is a young man. How can a young man keep his way pure? Now that's a really good question. That's what we would call a wise question. That's because there's several things around you and several things around me and around your teenagers and children that want to keep their way from being pure. There is a lack of wisdom. I mean, we all know it. We've all been there. For the young person, the young man or the young woman, they can lack wisdom. There's also peer pressure. And when those are combined, it gets really bad. For the young person. I remember being in middle school and my, my dad took a friend of mine, Jeff, to the local blockbuster. 
Now, Teenagers, the Blockbuster is a place where you would go and you would get, yes, get DVDs or, or movies. And this time it was VHS. And so we pulled into the local Blockbuster and my dad gave us a, a, a few bucks and we went into the Blockbuster and, and we, we got two movies because we tried to trick my dad. My, my friend talked me into, I'll blame it on him, he talked me into getting an R-rated comedy movie. And so we purchased those and we made our way back to my house and we went to my bedroom, which is in the back of the house, and we closed the door and we put in that rated R comedy and we began to watch. And then my dad comes down the hall and opens the door. It's like he knew what was happening the whole time. But you see, when a lack of wisdom is combined with peer pressure, it can go bad. And so this is a good question. How do I, how do I keep my way pure? Because there's also the pleasures of the world that Peter says that, that, are, that are raging war against your soul. And Peter says, we have an enemy and he's like a roaring lion and he wants to, think about this, he wants to devour you and your children. And then Genesis 4 tells us that sin is just like lurking at your door. Like it's waiting for you just, just, to, just to crack the door and boom, it's there. And so this is a wise question, but it's also a wise question because it's proactive. He says, how can, I, how can I keep my way pure? How can I lay down my tracks? The word way means tracks. It means rut. How can I lay down my tracks so that I live a clean and pure life? Well, we see the answer in the rest of this verse. By keeping it according to your word. So how does a young man, how does a person keep their word pure? By keeping, by taking hold. This is not something that's going to happen accidentally. By taking hold, by keeping my tracks on his tracks. That's how a young person keeps his way pure. And so the psalmist says, how? How can I, how can I lay down my tracks on your track, God? And so there's a statement that's going to kind of drive the rest of our time together. And if you take notes, you may want to write this down, but, but this is the statement that we're going to be after, is, and it's this. As I keep the word close, the word keeps me clean. As I keep the word close, the word keeps me clean. So how do we then keep his word close? Well, go back with me and look at verse 10. With all my heart, I have sought you. A way to, to keep God's word close is to seek God in his word. Notice the psalmist says, I'm after you, God. I'm after you. I'm after you. So to keep God's word close, we're gonna seek God in his word. But then if you go down and you look at verse 11, he says, I've treasured your word in my heart. I've treasured your word. So you wanna keep the word close to your life, to your heart? Then memorize God's word. Hide it in your heart in your life. And then look at verse 12. Blessed are you, Lord. Teach me your statutes. If you want to keep the word close, then we praise. Blessed are you, Lord. We praise and we pray. Teach me, God. He's the master teacher and the psalmist knows that. And so he says, God, I need you to teach me. And so you and I can keep his word close through praise and through prayer. Praise and prayer. Look at verse 13. With my lips, I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. And so if you want to keep God's words close, you share it with others. Pastor Sherm always says to me, we tend to be about what we talk about. 
we tend to be about what we talk about. So if you talk a lot about Jesus, then you're about Jesus. If you talk a lot about food, then you're about food. If you talk a lot about sports, then you're about sports. And the psalmist says, I will tell of all of your testimonies. And in doing so, he keeps God's word close. And the psalmist goes on. He wants his entire life to be filled with God's word. Look with me at verse 14, 15, and 16. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. I will meditate on your precepts. I will delight in all your statues. And so he's, he's making, the psalmist is making his heart a home for God's word. I'm gonna meditate on it. I'm gonna delight on it. I'm gonna talk about it. And so the psalmist says, my life, my heart is going to be a home for God's word. And so friends, this is how you and I, this is how you and I, Keep the word close by seeking him in his word, through scripture memory, through praise and prayer, through sharing what he's done and sharing his word and making our heart a home for his word. This is how we, this is how we keep the word close. But how does the word keep us clean? How does the word keep us clean? Well, I want you to look with me at verse 10. He says, with all my heart, I've sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. So he's just told us if, if we want to keep God's word close and we want God's word to keep us clean, then we can't wander. The psalmist knows that if I wander, I'm going to wander from his word, which keeps me clean. Now, there is a little football game happening tonight, Right? And how many of you are pulling for the Chiefs? And let me see your hands. A few, yeah, well, quite a few Chiefs fans. And I, any Eagles fans, I'll just ask a few. You're in the NFC country here, so be careful. But a few Eagles fans we have, you're welcome here. That's okay. Now, I know the Cowboys aren't there, but how about you hope the Cowboys win? <laughs> Maybe next year, right? Now, just imagine you're watching the big game tonight, and all of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, matter of fact, the MVP of, the, of this season, the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, imagine in his uniform, it's the second quarter, he wanders over to the sidelines to play with the Eagles. That would be bizarre, right? Why? Because he's 100% in on being on the Chiefs team. And because he's 100%, because he's all in, He's not going to wander to the other sideline. And the psalmist says in verse 10, with all my heart, I have sought you. Like, God, I am all in on you. I'm a hundred percent for you. And when we are a hundred percent for God, we are a hundred percent for God in his word, we're less likely to wander. And so how does the word keep us clean? It keeps us from wandering from God because we keep his word close. In James 4, chapter 7, James writes to the church, he says, submit to God. That means be, be 100% for God. Submit to God, the word says, and resist the devil and he will flee from you. So if you feel like the, the devil is lurking at your door all the time, then be 100% for God and his word and it will run the devil away. Be all in. Be committed to God and his word. Keep his word close and his word will keep you clean. But also look with me, verse 11. I have treasured 
I've treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. See, there is this temptation for all of us to sin just as it was for the psalmist. And to fight sin, what does the psalmist say? I've treasured your word in my heart. I have your scripture and I'm memorizing your scripture to fight against sin. Jesus gave us the perfect example. We was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. Every time the devil tempted Jesus, Jesus fought the temptation with truth. And I've been thinking we need to pawn shop our sin. We need to pawn shop sin in our life. And what I mean, maybe for some of us in here, we struggle with gossip or we struggle with slandering others. And so we struggle with these sins. And so what we need to do is we need, we need to pawn shop those. We need to trade those in. We need to trade it in with God's truth. With like Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, that says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but what is only beneficial for building one another up in their time of need. And so we need to pawn shop gossip and slander and trade it in for God's truth. So when we're tempted to say something about someone that we shouldn't, we can remember let no one know some talk come out of your mouth. Pawn shop our sin. I remember being a teenager and I remember a mentor helping me with, with the issue of lust. And he opened my eyes to Job chapter 31, verse one that reads, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look lustfully at a woman. And so as a teenager, as a young adult, when I was tempted for my eyes to wander, that scripture came to mind. Why? Because I hid it in my heart. And so friends, what sin do you struggle with? What sin are you tempted to step into? And then how can you pawn shop that sin and trade it in for truth and preach that truth to yourself when you're tempted? And this is how, as we, as we hold on, as we keep God's word close. This is how God's word keeps us clean. And I just want to remind you what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, when you find yourself tempted, he says, he provides a way of escape for you. So when you feel like you're in the midst of temptation and you can't escape, God's word says he has, he has a way for you. He has a way for you to escape. And I encourage you to find your way of escape. So may we Keep the word close so that the word keeps us clean. Now, maybe someone in here is saying, well, hey, what, what happens when we mess up? What happens when we step into that temptation and we sin? What do we do? Well, again, let's look at the book. Let's look at his word because his word keeps us clean. If you can, I want to invite you to turn with me to Colossians chapter two, verses 13 and 14. This helps us to know what we do when we do sin. And I believe there's something for us to know. And that's this, that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have been saved through the person and work of Jesus Christ, your past, your present, and your future sins are forgiven. And I say that because that's what the book says. 
In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, and when you were dead in your wrongdoings and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our wrongdoings. He has forgiven us of the word is all. That means all. That means past, present, and future. He's forgiven you of all your sins. And it goes on. It says, he's taken all your sins and he's nailed them to the cross. And so may we know this. May we know this this morning. As a follower of Jesus Christ, we are fully forgiven because of Jesus. But also, there's something I want us to do. There's something I want us to do. And this comes from Colossians, also the next chapter, verse three. Therefore, treat the parts of your earthly body as dead. And he's going to list these sins to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Here's what the apostle Paul just said. He just said, kill sin. The sin that's in your life, put it to death. But notice what Paul does there. He gets, he gets specific and he starts identifying sins. And so I just want to ask you and ask you to maybe be honest with yourself is if there's a sin that you keep fighting, have you, like Paul, identified it specifically and called it out to God and been honest with God about it? Maybe that's a step for you to fight sin and to find victory is to name it Name the particular sin that you struggle with. And if you are able and you have a trusted friend where you can also say, hey, I'm calling this sin out in my life specifically because I want to fight it. I want to, as Paul says, to kill the sin that's in my life. And maybe that's a way for you to experience, to begin to experience freedom from the sin that's in your life. To name it specifically as Paul has done here. So that's what I want to encourage us all to do. Lastly, there's something I want us to feel. And I want us to feel this like a sherm hug. That's how I want us to feel it. I mean, you know, when sherm hugs you, it's not, I mean, it's a hug, right? And I want you to feel this scripture like that. I mean, I want you to feel this. This verses, these verses have, have been so freeing for me over the last year as I've discovered it as I've meditated on it. And, and I want it to, I want you to feel it this morning. I want you to feel it. And we find this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. And John's writing to these Christians, and I love how he just, my, my, little, my little children, it's just his affection. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And so he says, I don't want you to sin. And that's a good pastor. I don't want us to sin. But he says, but if anyone sins. Now let's just stop there just for a moment. But if anyone sins. Maybe you imagine that when you sin, that Jesus is standing over you to punish you, to make you feel guilt and shame. Because you've given into that temptation, whatever it may be, pornography, jealousy, whatever it may be. And so you step into that and in your mind, you see Jesus standing over you, disappointed, ready to punish you. But that's not what the text says. He says, and, but if 
anyone sins. So that's you. You're a part of anyone. Well, you don't know what I've done. You are included in this. I am included in this. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate. And this advocate, where is he? He's with the Father. Who is the advocate? Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so in your sin, whatever it may be, Jesus is not standing over you. He's standing beside you. as an advocate for you. And he's able to do that because the verse goes on and says, and he himself, Jesus, is the propitiation. I know that's a big theological word, but here's what it means. It means that Jesus, because of his person and work and what he's done on the cross, he takes away God's wrath and he gives us God's favor. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of of the whole world. So friends, may we keep God's word close so that his word keeps us clean.